0: all right well then that means we're in it we're live let's go oh man i'm getting kind of ticked at us missing episodes but i'll tell you what things have been nuts on my end here yeah we'll get back into the groove 2023 we're gonna go so hard it's gonna be great oh yeah oh yeah Welcome once again, my friends, to another episode of Man vs. World, where we help the modern man face this insane, wild world that we live in today. Uh, I am your host, Mark Weppitt. I am an anti-escapism coach extraordinaire, and I am joined, as always, by my good friend Pete. Pete, how you doing, man? I'm doing great. How you doing, Mark? I'm doing pretty swell. Uh, mostly, <laughs> life's good. been life's been a little crazy lately. It's uh, it's tough. It's tough sometimes when Like the kind of challenges that I'm fine with are challenges where it's like it's me. You know, it's like I'm I'm the issue and like I can face that and I can take it on and I can, you know, handle the pain and the discomfort and I can go after it. What I found, though, is that like what's actually kind of harder than that is when like your loved ones close to you are struggling. Because especially if like you can only help them so much, you know, it's like it's almost like especially if they're feeling like they can't help themselves kind of thing. It it almost turns it it, it made me come up with the term of meta victim. It's like you are the victim of someone else's victimhood. And Mm -hmm. uh, that is where I think the deepest kind of mindset work sort of takes place. Like if I were just gonna jump like like down to the the depths of it, all right? You think about, you know, from the Christian perspective, it's like, oh, God loves us, right? And I know we got a, a question in here uh, coming up where someone's wondering whether, you know God is good and, and stuff like that because of all the suffering that He allows. And let's say God does truly love all of us perfectly, infinitely, that sort of thing. Well, what it must what must it be like for God when we are suffering? because of our own shortcomings or whatever. And like, he can't override our free will and just fix it. Or he's, Mm. you know, in his infinite wisdom chooses not to. We'll talk about that more in a second, I guess. And I, I feel like that's, that is where things get hard in life. Like, you know, if you've got a loved one close to you and they're just sick and uh, or they're, they're struggling with something, you know, maybe it's mental health or, you know, some kind of disease or something like that, and all you can do is sit by and sort of try to support them through it. That is a unique kind of suffering, you know. And uh, in that sort of scenario, all you can really do, I think, is, is bring – like you gotta be playing like a different game like it's it's hard to just like focus on like just pure results it's like well you know i i'm no magician i can't snap my fingers and make your problem disappear but what i can do is gonna offer you what i have which is you know comfort support advice maybe time effort maybe i gotta do stuff like all that kind of thing and um that's probably one of the harder things to deal with is when you feel like you are investing time and energy, but you're not really certain whether it's paying off or not, and you don't know how long things will last. And so that's that's where I've been. You know, and I'm not going to really get into too much detail about it because you know it's about loved ones in my family and that sort of thing, where you know it's not really my information to share. But that's what I've been dealing with, and that's why we're kind of behind, and why we're not doing it on Twitter right now. Um, but I still want to make sure that we're showing up and we're doing, you know, the work that we can here, right? Like, cause I see it as my mission, my voc- vocation to be here and helping guys like address the real shit that life will throw at you. And a lot of the stuff we, t- we talk about here is, you know, lighter, more superficial things. Um, but when you get down to it, it's really about like like the, the real challenges come when you're plugged into the bigger picture, right? You're really plugged into the human experience, you know, the suffering of the world, the suffering of other people and making sure that you maintain fortitude and strength in that is, uh, that's where I think the big differences occur because it's like when you can show up strongly in positions where you feel helpless, (laughs) where you feel powerless, that's where I think the biggest ripple effect really comes from. And it's it's maybe that's uh, you could argue that's wishful thinking, but I think that that's a a deep philosophical stance that I'm not willing to back down from. Because like I, I think about the people in my life that I've seen stand up to things much harder than what I'm facing. By the way, like nothing that I'm facing is uh, anything to to for me to you know really bellyache too hard about. But when you see that people do that, like stand up to the the darkness in the world and refuse to go dark themselves. That is inspiring. And I think we are all called to do that to some extent or another in our lives. Um, I don't know. Maybe, maybe you're not, I don't know. What do you think, Pete? Is that something you've experienced? I know you're still pretty young and hopefully you've been spared these sorts of scenarios, but maybe you can relate on some level. Yeah. You know, uh, it's not quite the same because I don't
1: have any, uh, thankfully i'm not dealing with that on too close of like uh well i'll give you an example so you know a, a buddy of mine right now his mom's got and he can he can i feel comfortable sharing this because it's anonymous but uh he his mother has a cancerous sort of thing going on and she didn't want to do chemo for it because mm. you know mm. chemo can be pretty rough Brutal, so she's in tijuana right now doing some sort of alternative treatment. And apparently there's a lot of Amish people there hanging out with her because they don't do chemo, but they'll do this treatment in
0: Tijuana. Huh. And so is this seeing, like the whole like coffee enema thing? I have no idea what it is because all. It's like, this, like ed- famous, like, you know, treatment for cancer where it's like they got you like on these like juices and you're doing these coffee like enema things. And apparently like some people it works for and it's like it's just not like approved in the United States. I don't know. I've heard it like, can work, though pretty but yeah. sorry, go on. Yeah, well,
1: you know, so there's people I know who are going through some serious stuff, and it's it's tough. But I feel like you know that's a that's a good place to jump right into this because this this guy on uh, the Self Mastery Club has a question about about this topic. So he says, so a major conflict I have in my mindset is that as a Christian, I feel that God doesn't love me. I know that Mark talks a lot about how we're always looking for perfect pleasure or a taste of heaven in order to escape our reality of suffering. Yet what does one do when the highest good in the universe, almighty God is believed to be the very cause of that suffering? What if you feel that God values you so little based on the external evils you've seen and endured that you become bitter and see him as the enabler of that evil? Mm -hmm. The magnitude of evil present today makes me feel so insignificant, so unworthy of my goals My greatest fear is having my achievements and dreams snatched away from me by the very powers that God has let run amok on the earth.
2: Mm.
0: Yeah, that's, uh, that's like probably like the big spiritual question, right? Like, can, can God be good if there is so much suffering and evil in the world? It's like, how could an all good and loving God, uh, allow for such things? And you know, you got like kind of the standard answers of like, um, you know, free will. It's like, well, he's got to allow us to have free will if there's going to be actual love and, you know, people will choose to use their free will poorly, but it doesn't really explain away things like caused by, you know, just natural causes, right? Like, you know, a natural disaster or a sickness or an illness or something like that. It's like, well, it's not like they use their free will poorly, um, that they got hit by a hurricane or got struck with some kind of disease or, you know, suffered some sort of, you know, unforeseeable, um, misfortune. Right. And so this is why I think that there's such a necessity for a spiritual mindset. Um, and in particular, like I, I think it has to be a more traditional spiritual mindset where there is good and evil, because without that, Okay, like they like there's this idea that there is no like. Let's let's look at the two extremes. Okay, on one extreme, you've got the atheistic mindset where it's like nothing is inherently good or bad; it just is, um, and it's our perceptions, you know, the stories that we tell that make things good or bad. All right, and. You can walk that route. The problem is you will live in a world where everything has only arbitrary value, only relative value. And in terms of a moral system, I would argue that that almost always ends up breaking down. It also doesn't give you much orientation in life. I think, you know, you end up in a lot of cases defaulting to the pursuit of immediate gratification. Um And not always. I know there's atheistic people who live very virtuous and good lives. Um, But I would argue, even in a lot of cases, the people who are doing that are unknowingly um, appealing to some transcendent value. And you can look up, you know, famous debates between people like that. I know Jordan Peterson's probably the most recent, um, like, theist who makes good arguments, like his debates with Sam Harris and stuff. If you can sit through them, because they're kind of tedious, but like, you know, a lot of what Jordan Peterson does is point out that Sam Harris is essentially appealing to some transcendent ethic, which he could, he argues is a spiritual morality, a spiritual philosophy. Um, so that's like one extreme, which doesn't really vibe with me and that doesn't really seem to be what this guy's dealing with. Then you got another extreme where it's like kind of like the new age sort of woo-woo idea where it's like, oh, it's all energy. It's all love. It's all goodness. Um, and the problem with that is, again, it doesn't offer you any sort of orientation. It doesn't tell you, it doesn't give you any sort of way to, um, I would say, tackle the the experience of what i would describe as evil right like it uh, doesn't give you a way to orient yourself it just makes you think oh well I'm, I'm seeing this wrong clearly this must be a good thing um i must figure out how to uh embrace this uh, as the the cosmic will or or something like that um and on one level <laughs> If you want to embrace a Christian mentality, you got to kind of believe that. You got to believe that in some greater scheme, the evil allowed in the world is serving a greater good. But I think you still need to be able to acknowledge evil in general. And so if you can do that, then here's the way that I have best come to terms with playing this game, which is. What's it's not so much about are you getting the status that you want in life? Are you getting the things that you want? Are you getting the money? Are you getting the success? Um, are you getting the relationships? Are you getting the acknowledgement? You know, and, and our friend here, what he what he said was, um, "magnitude of easel present today makes me feel so insignificant, and so unworthy of my goals. My greatest fear is having my achievements and dreams snatched away from me." Um, so they're they're concerned about their worldly status. And, yeah, that's not safe in this world. It never will be. Um, and that's not something you can fully control, you know, is what I was saying earlier, too. It's like, you know, you can't control it even if, like, you can't control if, like, uh, there's a economic collapse and all your money in your bank account disappears. Or, you know, some crazy crypto guy steals billions of dollars and you're the one who gets, gets snookered. Uh, looking at you, Sam Bankman-Fried. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> So you can't control that kind of stuff. And you also can't control someone you love, you know, really starts to suffer and struggle and that sort of thing. But what you can control is your spiritual response, right? Like you can control like how you view what's going on. And the way that I look at it is through that standpoint of spiritual warfare, where it's like, all right, there are options presented to me. I can embrace a mentality that gets bitter that gets resentful, you know, that gets um, despairing, okay, that falls into hopelessness. And I like to look at that stuff as demonic attack, all right? And you can think of these as demons of, of fear, of spite, of resentment, of whatever. And this is the traditional way to look at it. And this has been, in a lot of ways, passed up. This, this mindset has been uh, abandoned in pursuit of you know, something more sophisticated. But in terms of a practical model, I think that this is the most useful thing. Now, I can't obviously speak to the metaphysical reality of what's actually true, but I can speak to the practical reality of it, where it's like if you're confronted with some sort of tragedy and you allow yourself to get turned toward darkness in some form or another, then it's like that evil spirit is winning. It's expanding its domain. So say it, uh, you know, that evil spirit, it attacks something in the world and that metastasizes into some sort of economic collapse or even just, maybe it's just something that happens in your workplace. All right. You know, there's some, they, you're the, the CEOs did some shady business dealings and because of that, they eventually got caught and collapsed and then you get fired. All right. Um, The way in which that spirit really wins, that evil spirit that was at the root of that downfall, you know, and we call that evil spirit a bad thought pattern, a bad way of operating, you know, serving the wrong moral ethic, whatever. If you let that then turn you south, right, it's like that, that demons, it's, it's now infected you. Okay. And if you let that infection fester inside of you, well, then you will then start allowing for more decay. More decline. Maybe you then you start drinking, maybe you start, you know, leaning heavier on the porn, maybe you start treating other people more poorly, maybe you become more cutthroat, cold, and bitter. And um this is a a shitty place to be. Um, and we're all constantly confronted with scenarios like this. And uh, this is why I love um the story of Job. I don't think did we talk recently about Job on the podcast? I don't think we did. I don't think so, but okay. you, I did see your tweet about that. That was interesting. Yeah, and that's that's kind of where my head's at about. It. So, if you're f- not familiar with the story of Job, um, correct me if I'm wrong, Pete. It's been a little while since I actually read the the full text, and I, you're probably a little more versed in it. You're familiar with the story of Job, right? Uh, a little bit, a little but little not, bit, not, not not terribly. Not so um, come on, man! You're like you're like supposed to be like my biblical scholar here. I know. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, basically, if I'm remembering the story correctly, like what ends up happening is that Job's like this really good, faithful man. And this is like Old Testament. So he's like, you know, this this Jew who is like really faithful, loves God, you know, that sort of thing. And Satan approaches God and essentially like offers him a wager. And it's like, hey, give me control over, you know, Job's life. And I bet he will denounce you. He will reject you. He will curse you. Um, And God's like, okay, bring it on. And so God gives Satan the ability to just start screwing with Job. Or maybe even God actively does it himself. I'm not sure. I think it's either way. It's kind of the same idea. But then Job starts getting just wrecked from all sides. Like, you know, his family, I think his wives get killed. He loses all of his fortune. Like he just undergoes like a pretty hellish period in his life. And even after everything's taken away from him, Job doesn't curse God. He asks. He he turns to him. He's like, "Yo, what the heck, bro?" Like he gets, you know, he gets upset. You know, he's he's like, "What's going on?" Um, but he doesn't denounce God. And basically, then God's like, "See, told you, Satan, get owned." And uh, <laughs> then he gives uh, Job everything back, like you know, tenfold or something like that. And the way what I took away from that is like. When you're suffering in life and you you're you're giving you're, you're given some sort of tragedy or hardship, the way I like to think about it is that God has essentially bet on you. You know, he has bet on you to be able to face this darkness and not succumb to it. And when you start looking at life on this level, then everything becomes this spiritual battle. It's like, are you are you moving become more uh, a more steadfast shining light of goodness in the world, or are you becoming slowly corrupted or even rapidly corrupted? Are you letting the, the prince of this world, aka Satan, aka the, the psychological principle of, of selfishness, spite, resentment, hatred, this sort of thing, are you letting that infect you and turn you into something less good? Less bright, less pure, into something that instead becomes an agent of darkness that just perpetuates more and more uh, of the the evil that you are hurt by, and so I think, particularly as men, this mentality is powerful because it gives us a battle to fight. Like we have it, we have this idea, and I, I know we'll be getting to this more a little bit later. Uh, that being a warrior today means like you got to go and you got to learn how to use guns and you got to be tough and you got to know how to choke a dude out with your jujitsu and all that kind of shit but that's that to me that's just another kind of work all right if you're an actual professional soldier I mean like your job is to go you know carry out your missions and you know kill people and hopefully they're people that should be (laughs) being attacked and everything like that but you know that's that's just a job in the same way that like it's the job of a butcher to go and uh you know chop up a cow and things like that but like the real war is the war of the spirit the war of the spiritual plane where it's like what what spirit what narrative what character are you fighting for and what spirit character etc are you fighting against and When you learn how to look at your life in this way, then like your, your life does become this epic battlefield. It becomes this place where it's like, you know, are you on the good, are you one of the good guys or one of the bad guys? And almost every single moment of your life contains this battle. And it's a very, it's a simple one. It's like, are you pursuing your highest conception of goodness with all of your being or are you not? Because anything other than a total commitment to your highest conception of being, i.e. serving commandment number one, which is love the Lord your God with all your heart and all your mind and all your soul. If you're not doing that, then on some level you are quote unquote sinning. And sinning is an archery term. It means to miss the mark. All right, It means that you are not engaging in battle correctly you are setting yourself up to lose you are weakening yourself you are weakening your standing in the spiritual hierarchy of uh, competence and as men we want to be competent we want to be heroes we want to be the the man who can rise to the top but there are some games that are far more important than other ones right like you know we we, we understand what a low level game is like who gives a shit if you're like really good at some video game online uh, we care more. It's like, oh, are you really good at making money? Are you really good at making friends? Are you really good at getting sex? Okay, We start to value them a little bit more. But still, those are sub-games as far as I'm concerned in the game of life. And they're ones that can be completely upended and completely removed from you depending upon what kinds of circumstances are thrust upon you. The The one game that will never disappear is this game of the spirit. It's like, are you going to stand up to darkness, to fear, to, to all these things and choose love, you know, a righteous kind of love, not a soft kind of love, but the kind of love that is completely and totally committed to the highest conception of goodness and realizing that in your life. And you know, you can feel it. You can feel it physically inside of you when you are aligned with that. You can feel it physically inside of you when you're even just contemplating it, okay? Because contemplating it, it can feel heavy, it can feel hard because you, there's sacrifice that must be made, like all war. There's always going to be sacrifice required. But when you're making those sacrifices, when you commit to it, there will feel like a loss at first. But then there is this freeing, this this freedom that comes from it when you completely submit to it. And it's it's like this polarity principle where it's like the more submitted. The more submissive you are to your highest conception of goodness, the more dominant you become in your day-to-day activities. And you gain a level of confidence, a level of drive, a level of follow through that is otherwise unmatched because you are on that path of the straight and narrow. And that is that's like the, you know, the what do you want to call it? The it's like the um like the the fiber connection to the spiritual plane. That's like the the neurochemical superhighway that will allow you, when you're completely lined up with it, that's what's going to allow you to truly live on fire as a man that is um, truly formidable. And it's just that the, the world doesn't really recognize it like this. They want to see the guy who's winning in all these worldly games. And sure, you can still do that. And sometimes you might still be called to do that. But Really, the game that matters is the one of the spirit here. And so it's it's more to me like this, like what he's talking about here, a friend, and this like anger and like toward God, this feeling that, you know, maybe God's bad. Like I just see that as a spiritual battle. You're in a battle right now where there's a spirit that would want to tell you that life is actually not good. Because if God's not good, then life certainly isn't good, right? Like it's not. It's it's actually life is just a cruel, disgusting, sadistic joke. And if you step into that mentality, whoo, what do you think is going to happen then? How do you think you're going to live, right? At that point, then it's like, why not? Why don't I just pursue immediate pleasure? Why don't I just, you know, drown myself in whatever sort of escapist vices I can gain access to? there's no reason to not do that right and so what do you think is going to happen do you think it's going to create more suffering in the world or less you know i think i think the answer is obvious but you know the the goal here man is to to embrace that bravery to have that faith the faith that goodness does exist that it is a transcendent thing even in the face of suffering and that's that's what faith is i think it's the, it's the willingness to believe in goodness even when the whole world is telling you that goodness doesn't exist um, And, you know, you could argue that that's irrational, that that's crazy. But that's what faith is. It can't be rational. It can't be a purely rational thing. It's more about, like, identity. It's like, what kind of person are you? And that, I think, is what we all need to think about very, very deeply.
1: Wow, that's, you know, that's really true. Because if you if you can see what you're hoping for,
0: it doesn't really take any hope. In the first place. Right. Then know? it's just logic then. Then it's just like, right. oh, I can just anticipate this. I can see how this works, blah, blah, blah. But it's like, it's I, I, I believe it's when you have no logical reason to believe in goodness, that that's when you really find it. Because re- that's when you can encounter it as a transcendent ideal. Something that, that, that goes beyond simple cause and effect and circumstance. And the more and more you connect with that in that state, the more you connect with the truth of who you are. Because if you can find that inside of yourself, well, you got to ask yourself, where the, where the hell does that come from? Where does that ability to align myself with the transcendent come from? Well, clearly it came from somewhere inside of me. And so what does that say about me? It says that, oh, actually, if I so choose it, and the only way you can really choose it, like I was saying, is in the face of suffering where you don't have anything to really gain and you choose that then, you get to then see that, oh, maybe that is who I am. Maybe I am actually a channel of transcendent love or a seed of transcendent love or in some ways the source of it in this, this world. And that's what I believe. I mean, like, you know, barring miraculous um, intervention, okay, where else does this show up in the world? Nowhere, except for through humans. And so it's like we are we are called to be that. We are called to be that, you know, divine source of love that is freely chosen, right? Like we have to embrace our true nature in order to even find it. And obviously this is a metaphysical argument and whatnot, and I'm sure it could go back and forth and maybe we could do that with someone at some point, but um, yeah. Yeah. I, that, that's the only way that I've come to find peace with these sorts of circumstances.
1: <laughs> you know, I really wish that um, more people held your outlook that it's a spiritual war, because it is. We don't wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers. You know, and uh, there's so many people who claim to believe in God, and they don't believe in anything else. It's like, how could you—man, that's a cruel existence. I would not want to be one of those people. What do, mean, what do you mean don't believe in anything else? They don't believe in any evil— you know, any evil it's all God. You know, God's responsible for cancer. He's responsible for this. He's responsible. Da, 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 da. And you know, you could it seems like this guy might not believe that it's too much. He's more talking about, well, he enabled it to happen through, you know, let's call him Satan, right? Yeah. He enabled it to happen, and that's a that's a good question. I'm not God, so I you know, would I do things differently? Maybe, but I'm not God, so I don't really get a vote, you know. But one thing that I find interesting is a lot of people will stop there, and they never they never ask, well, what does, what does God will? You know, there's this free will thing that he created, so we know that he wants there to be a choice. You know, it says in Deuteronomy that I've given you the choice to choose between life and death, and then he says, choose life. You know, right. so he gives us the answer, but there's still the choice there. But it's pretty clear, you know, it says in Second uh, Peter three nine that he doesn't want anyone to perish, but for all to come to repentance. And then it says, you know, later on in Matthew, it says, well, you know, many go through the wide gate that leads to destruction. Mm-hmm. So clearly God's will does not automatically come to pass, but I think a lot of people have it in their head that God's will just magically happens in your life. And everything that happens happened for a reason. But the reality is that God said, I, I know the plans that I have for you plans to prosper you, not to harm you plans, to give you hope in a future. So it's the NIV.
0: Right. And it's, uh, th- that's why I, I always come back to like my, uh, little book. I, I wrote the, the anabolic, uh, optimism. anabolic optimism, optimism. Yeah. And that idea of pain is always power wrapped in a puzzle. And I think that these bigger existential pains that you maybe can't directly affect and just shift through good action and intention, what these are, the the power that these are giving you access to is this deeper connection to goodness, this transcendent connection to goodness. Because when you can find this, you can find, call it the love of God, call it access to, you know, transcendent good, like whatever you want to, however, whatever sort of language you can couch it in to make it comfortable to your worldview. The, the end result though, is that when you find this connection, it's something that stays with you. It's something that you have with you then, and it, it, it increases the unconditional access you have to joy. And joy is like a, it's like a, a state of peace also mixed with, I would say it's it's more than peace because there's peace as as a part of it, but there's also a, a delight in the understanding that this is good, even in the face of suffering. Like you, you read about, you know, the lives of saints or deeply spiritual people, you know, saints across like all religions, and these are people who can maintain, not just their composure, but maintain their levity. Maintain the, the, the brightness of spirit, regardless of how ugly and dark the world around them becomes. And you hear these incredible stories of these, these people, like you know, how they're you know, singing church hymns while they are being walked into the gas chambers at Auschwitz mm-hmm. and shit like that. And it's like, okay, objectively one of the worst scenarios you could find yourself in and these people still have a joy they still have a lightness they have not abandoned the value of their own lives and imagine if you had that imagine what that would how that would transform your life where the the little sufferings and stuff that come across uh, that come across your path don't knock you down flat and if, instead they just kind of roll off you and you just keep moving forward Taking the next right step, even if that next right step is into greater suffering and, and darkness, because that's that's simply the the, the the thing in front of you. And I guess like w- what what we're looking to unlock here is heaven on earth. Right. We're, that's all. We're all aiming for heaven. We're all aiming for perfect, infinite bliss. And chances of us getting that in this life based upon some kind of conditional materialistic circumstance I think it's not going to happen. We might have tastes of it. We might if we're we're very blessed have extended tastes of it. But it's never going to be permanent. It's never going to be perfect. But when we start stepping into that this transcendent mindset, this one that goes beyond conditionality, that's the real heaven. And that's what we we seek to increase, you know. And if you're going to put it back in the spiritual warfare mentality, it's like the extent to which we embrace that is the extent to which we are bringing about the kingdom of God on earth like that's what that's what spiritual warfare is about it's like are you advancing this kingdom of unconditional love or are you losing it are you letting it be be taken over by succumbing to the powers of darkness
1: yeah well, we could probably talk about this for a full podcast because I love talking about this stuff. But we got other stuff to hit on, so let's go ahead and talk about these ten thousand dollar boot camps that guys are paying for to become real men. So I don't know if you've seen these around, but basically, these guys will put together, you know, a week long camp, wherever long it is, they all depend, and they'll put these guys through a strenuous kind of boot camp esque sort of experience to toughen them up yeah so i was curious to know uh when are we going to start one of these <laughs>
0: <laughs> well we got one it's called quitting porn oh right yeah no like so these things i get what they're trying to do and i don't even think it's a bad thing i think they they can probably be be good things um you know guys they they feel like they are being like stunted by the modern world and they feel like they need some hardship, they need some brother, some brotherhood, they need some camaraderie in order to find the strength inside of them. It's like, you know, the modern world is so easy in some ways um, that they want to have a direct challenge that they can wrap their hands around and say they, you know, conquered it, right? They can get through this boot camp. But at the end of the day, it's like that boot camp, it's over. It's over at the end of the weekend, right? You're not, you're, you're it's no longer there. And sure, you can you know keep up with your club and things like that, and stay in contact with it. But at the end of the day, it's that that real spiritual war. That's the one that's going to follow you around. And I don't know. Like I'm kind of mixed on these because I think a lot of guys who are lost and they do these things, um, they get a lot out of it. They definitely feel like they make progress, and they definitely might even unlock some permanent progress. It could even be a, a turning point in their life. And I think, you know, I, I don't want to denigrate that at all. It can be a big launching point for a lot of guys. I do think that in some cases, they are the victim of some savvy marketing that uh, maybe gets them to shell over maybe more money than they need to spend in order to have a meaningful experience like that. Um, and I also maybe doubt a little bit how much of the, the carryover effect they're going to experience from this kind of stuff is. Um, but I don't know enough about them to to really say. But you don't need to spend ten grand to have a right of uh, like initiation into your masculinity. I think for most guys, it's sitting right there in front of them, and it's like you know, start with quitting porn, like dead serious. Like do that, you're gonna find out. I would argue probably more about yourself than you will at one of these ten thousand dollar boot camps. Seriously, yeah. Um, because you're going to actually have to understand, here's how my life is working right now. And the way it works is that it relies upon this fundamental escape pattern in order to even cope with it. All right, And so you take that coping mechanism of pornography out, and now you're confronted with your life how it actually is, and you realize, oh man, I don't know how to do life without this sort of Artificial escape without this drug and you can do this with any drug You can talk about alcohol and say video games. You can say, you know marijuana Whatever the heck your, your thing is could be a harder drug But like the reason why people get hooked on these things is because without them their current life seems unbearable And almost always that is some combination of practical issues and internal issues, right? Like part of it's their mindset That makes their current life shitty and unappealing because they're looking at it in a shitty and unappealing way. But then part of it's also because there are real legitimate problems. Maybe they don't have friends. Maybe they don't have a, a satisfying career. Maybe they're out of shape and unhealthy. And these are all things that you can then turn into your own personal journey, your own personal adventure, your literal, like, video game like quest log it's like okay you know quest number one quit porn quest number two get in shape quest number three like get productive and gainfully employed doing something that i don't hate right like you can like to me i would much rather have guys doing that kind of work than going and doing like a special forces larp (laughs) um which you know, I'm not gonna downplay the power of spending time with, with bros doing hard things. You can definitely get something cool and awesome out of that. I just don't think that's the thing that's gonna really move the needle uh, in the lives of the majority of guys out there. I don't know. What do you yeah, what do you think? You're
1: Pete? Right. I mean, uh, I, I like your idea better. I think you should quit porn because that's gonna actually teach you how to think, you know, and to control your thoughts and Controlling your thoughts is the easiest way to control your emotions and controlling your emotions is the easiest way to control your actions. So if you want to see results in your life, starting with the mind is a good place to start. 10,000 bucks on pretend boot camp. I think the real value that people see in that is it's a confidence booster, Yeah, but you can do it for a lot cheaper. I mean, you can have, I mean, shoot, you can have somebody drop you off on the other side of the country and then walk home. I mean, that would give you some confidence because you're going to have to learn how to survive real quick.
0: <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? Like For it's not sure. that expensive. And the thing that like people aren't realizing with this kind of experience is that it's all curated. Yes. You are going to have to face significant physical and mental, you know, pushback and challenge. Right. But you're doing it in the context of this expectation you're doing it in the context of this, uh, put together machine that is designed to move you from point A to point B. And this makes a lot of sense for people who are actually in the military because they're like that's what they need. They need to have extreme physical pain tolerance, they need to have a certain level of fitness, they need to have trust in their their brothers to to help them accomplish the mission. But that's not the exact same skill set that you need in order to thrive in real life, okay? In real life especially in the modern world it's like you need to have the ability to make the right choices day in and day out when your brothers aren't around you when there isn't someone who's saying hey you got to get up at this time and then you got to carry a log here and then you got to go like you know s- spend time underwater and you know get screamed at it's like no like what does, what can you do when there isn't someone around you yelling at you to go through this process yep. right like that's the real modern superpower because if you have that well then, you can construct whatever kind of life you want. The modern world allows for that. Especially if you got $10,000 in your pocket. You know, if you're at that point already where you have 10,000 bucks to burn on something like this, you you need an internal boot camp. You need one where you find your your sense of self. You need one where you find like, you know, who you really are, learn how to interact with yourself. That's my take. It's like, you know, I think I think this is kind of more like a Spartan race. Like it's more like a, a fun thing. And yes, it a hundred percent can build you like build up your confidence. It can a hundred percent help you, um, you know, connect with a friend group. And if yep. they've got some kind of maintenance thing afterward, where you reconnect with these guys and that sort of stuff, certainly value in that. Definitely not trying to shit on that. I just think that that's only a, a partial measure that is more, you know, fun. Like, like the, <laughs> It's like the second kind of fun. Like I forget who the heck I was hearing talk about that. I think it was actually Joe Rogan. He was talking about he was talking about how he had a conversation with a previous, I think, comedian or something, where he's like, "There's different kinds of fun. There's like the fun that you have while you're doing it, which would be the things like, um, you know, like going to an amusement park, right? Really fun. You know, riding roller coaster. Woo!" But then yeah. you have the kind of things that are fun only after the fact when it's fun to look back and reminisce, yeah. right? It's like, oh, you know, back when we were these aspiring comics and we we're doing these shitty gigs and we we're, mm-hmm. you know, uh, you know, totally dying on stage or whatever. It's funny now. And that's what I see like this is. It's like, oh, it's this is just that second kind of fun. Um, the level of strength and power you gain from it depends depends on what else you do with it because by itself i don't think it's really gonna necessarily make for a permanent change yeah
1: yeah i think you're right all right next up bruce from the smc sent me an interesting video that argues for why aragorn from lord of the rings is the epitome of masculinity let's check it out aragorn
3: Is it just me, or can we be a little misguided when it comes to the heroes we cultivate in our culture these days? I mean, our popular culture really only seems to be able to produce two extremes when it comes to the, you know, male hero. It's either the annoying beta male type or the so-called alpha male, the badass type that uh, really seems to be overdone these days. The latter being the modern concept of the dominating man who thrives in violence for its own sake and is defined by doing and taking what he wants. In my opinion, it's probably derived from the philosophical notion of the ubermensch in Nietzsche and other philosophers that were appropriating pagan tropes from Norse, Germanic, and classical Greek myths, while the weakling beta male is a more postmodern concept meant to counteract to the modern alpha male type, you know, by being more gentle and less dominant and often passive. But guys, guys, calm down. You're both toxic. The true virtue of true masculinity in Western civilization was discovered long ago, and it's neither modern or postmodern. It's not about choosing between a tough man archetype or a gentle boy archetype. The key is to find the universally affected male archetype in the gentleman warrior, or in more ancient terms, the knight. The word gentleman emphasizes these two concepts because the best man capable of being the most productive and helpful to his society is one who is gentle to those who need the gentle touch, namely women and children, under his protection, and yet is simultaneously capable of spilling the blood of the monsters and criminals who threaten those that cannot protect themselves.
0: Yeah, that's interesting. Um, I think uh, Aragorn, I like Aragorn as a character um, because he... (laughs) in a lot of ways like he I'm no Tolkien like lore master but from what i understand is that like he had been like kind of running away from his mission he was like technically like the king of this you know uh minus torith or gondor i guess you know he was like he was the right. rightful heir but he wasn't there he was like off like you know wandering around being like the uh the the head of the what were they called the I don't know the the Wanderers or something like that. I forget what they're called. the the Dunedain or something. Like he was the, he was the he was just like not embracing his responsibility. And then through the the events of Lord of the Rings, he eventually comes to terms with shit. I gotta like step up and become the bigger, better man. I gotta like take that full responsibility on. And that responsibility, it's not about me it's about everyone else right it's about figuring out how what is the ultimately effective mode of being and that's what he's talking about here it's like it's not just one or the other you can't just be soft and gentle you also can't just be you know a hard tough guy you're called to both in some form or another and if you cannot do both then you are a a you know only semi-functional tool in the body of humanity, right? Like if you want to maximize your utility and goodness that you're able to bring to the world and hopefully therefore unlock your highest sense of fulfillment, because I believe that that's where fulfillment really comes from. It comes from embracing the fullness of, you know, and tapping into the highest level of meaning possible, then it's got to be both. It's got to be more about, can you display all of the qualities Necessary and can you switch between them as needed, right? And it's interesting. It brings up the knight. You know, the knights they had their their code of chivalry. They are you know they are called to be you know these upstanding protectors of people. And who knows how real some of that was? I'm sure there are plenty of dudes who are just you know knights in name only. You know they like to 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 you know fight and rape and pillage and do all that kind of shit. But I'm I'm sure there were at least some legitimate ones. I mean like. You know, the spiritual world was omnipresent in the Middle Ages and the Dark Ages and shit like that. So there had to have been some who really took this seriously and they, they were able to do both. And it's, you know, that's that's the guy that I want to be my my friend, right? Like that's the guy who I want to be on my team. That's the guy who I want to be my leader. I want him to be able to be a, a monster to enemies and be able to uh, attack the things that need to be killed. But I also want him to be able to, to love and care for the, the things that need that. (laughs) Right. So I, I agree with that. I think it's a, an interesting way to look at it. And, um, you know, Aragorn has, uh, he's definitely not, I wouldn't say he's, he's presented often as that kind of like top masculine role model hero, particularly today, because we've, instead wanted to market so much more those two extremes which i think are are easier myths to to roll into a compelling hollywood approved package but you think about it like there's like almost almost no other franchise in the fantasy world or at least really many other franchise period that are as big and enduring as lord of the rings right so it's like Tolkien was onto something with the way that he constructed his heroes. And they, I, I don't think that's going to change anytime soon because it speaks to this deeper truth. We all, we all know this, but uh, we try to simplify things. We try to oversimplify them. We want them to just be one thing or the other so that we can just make it so easy for ourselves to follow. Um, but I think we're, we're, we're limiting ourselves by doing that.
1: Yeah. You know, uh, it's interesting that Hollywood doesn't go for stuff like this because going through the comments of that video, a lot of people really resonated with the whole idea of, you know, we need more more things like this because when I look, you know, top comment was saying how when I look at, you know, these super alpha male, it it just seems unrealistic, both ends of these of this spectrum. They're not real people. You know what I mean? You don't, I mean, I guess you can meet some people like this, but when you meet that guy who's, you know, indestructible. It seems like he's just kind of covering for something. There's some sort of hidden insecurity there, you know, and then vice versa, or the, on the other side, you have the beta boys who I like how Jordan Peterson says it, where there's nothing particularly, you know, noble about being harmless. Right. Yeah. Right. And
0: also it's like, like the realistic thing is like, all right, if this guy like truly is a beta boy, is he really saving the day at the end of the day and getting the girl no he's not actually going to be saving the day because he's you know breeding weakness in pretty much everything that he does and then also you got that super extreme alpha guy you know filled with the the intense rage and coolness and that sort of shit um you think that guy's happy no <laughs> that's why the most uh compelling versions of the the bad boy or whatever he's always got he's always some kind of tortured soul who's definitely not <laughs> who's definitely not happy he definitely doesn't have A sense of inner peace, right? Like, you know, he showed Wolverine, for example, like in this, it's like, yeah, Wolverine's a tortured soul. And the only time that he had known like any peace was when he was also like, you know, embedded into the, the academy, helping students and shit like that. And so, you know, it's, we just have to watch out for this, like, because we live in a world where we just, we want to, everyone's chasing the juice, everyone's chasing that dopamine. And, uh, you can create a lot of attention for yourself by like really digging into one side or the other. And what you're really looking for, I think, is you want to find someone with the, the true levels of depth and complex complexity that can account for the depth and complexity of life. If you're just going after this one dimensional image and you're trying to embody yourself by chasing it. Well, I mean, you're going to find some places where that one dimension does not work. And if you just keep doubling down on it, you're just going to be digging yourself a pit that you're not going to be able to get out of. All righty, guys. Next up, uh, here's why this
1: TikToker says, if you're not making $25 an hour, you should be terrified.
2: If you're making less than $25 an hour right now, you should be terrified. If you are making less than $25, you are going to be very pissed off by the time we get to the end of this video. So this information here is going to scare the shit out of you. I just spent some time looking at some monthly averages of regular costs of living all across the U.S., average costs. And I put them all in a spreadsheet and did all the math for you so you can see exactly what this big picture is here. So these are just normal expenses that most single consumers have, and this is all of them laid out national average right here. The average cost of an apartment is 1659 a month. For groceries, you're going to spend 500 bucks on that and go down a list here. But at all- Well, he's already
0: like depending on how he got these numbers he's already messing things up because the high end of like consumerism is going to really throw off the averages so i don't know that on, up, you're looking on. at
2: 32.85 a month just in your cost of living expenses which means to break even and just squeeze by paycheck to paycheck you have to be making 32.85 every four weeks
0: so- all right this guy is his, his numbers are already
2: making extremely to break even and-
0: does anyone say that When I I was looking in the comments, people were saying like, oh my gosh, what am I going to (laughs) do? TikTok's dumb. TikTok is actually has the dumbest people in the entire planet on it, which is why I think it's the, um, the most popular platform. Um, probably so like, just, let's just, let's just look at it. Just in your closet. Rent. If you're paying, if you're making $25 an hour, yeah, you shouldn't be paying $1,659 per rent. Okay. Yes. Um, you also should absolutely not be paying $400 in uh vehicle payments. You absolutely do not need to be spending $500 per month on groceries. Like you could literally eat like all meat and not like, like solid quality meat and not be spending $500 on that. So like, he's just, he's just inflating. All right. What this is, my friends is someone who is, Oh, sorry. I don't even have these pictures up. So you can see these, the numbers here. Um, But what this guy's doing is he's just making a TikTok video, guys. This is this this is what you run into is that people like this guy's spreading a fear message. That is, you know, either he's dumb and he doesn't, you know, he's not good with numbers, um, or he's doing this intentionally so that he can create a a strongly emotional message. Like if you get into the art of how to create viral content, one of the most important things you need to do is you need to pick the feeling, the emotion that you want someone to feel when they're listening to it. And this guy's like, mm, he woke up and he said, I'm going to make people feel fear today. And so that's what he went set out to do. And guess what? He got a shit ton of views from it. Okay. And it's something like, what is it? 7,000 comments. Is there a way to see the number of views on it? I don't think there is.
1: If you go to the profile, but it's kind of hard to tell. I, I just Another look at the,
0: of. you can look at the number of likes that should give you an idea. Yeah. So, I mean, there's 22, 222,000 likes on this video. Yeah. And uh, like stuff like this, like I, I like I hate this kind of content because what it is, this person, he's spreading negativity. Um, and I'm not saying there's no reason to be negative. OK, like inflation's bullshit. A lot of prices are fucked up. Uh, you do want to try and increase your income if you're making twenty five dollars an hour. What is that about? That's like what almost like is that 50 something thousand a year, or 60,000 a year, something like that, something like that. Like you can for sure still live like that maybe not abundantly and and that sort of thing but you can still do that I'm not saying it's not hard and where you live while you do that kind of work also obviously impacts things so you like live in the bay area of san francisco yeah that's probably not going to be enough um but the thing is is like you have to actively create a barrier for yourself against this kind of stuff cuz like it, There's going to be a bunch of people, you know, there's plenty of people in the comments who are just taking this as like, oh, yeah, I'm fucked. Oh, this is so bullshit. Oh, I don't have a chance. Now I need to like I need to like be living in, you know, fear and, you know, scarcity and need to if I don't make more money now. And it's just like, come on, like. There's better ways to live. And if you don't watch out for this kind of thing, you will get hijacked. And this is literally a template that all of media is using. You know, all of the the, um, the news media, like so much of the news is literally based upon generating fear. If it's not built upon generating fear, it's built upon generating anger. Because fear and anger are the easiest things to make stupid people feel. Bottom line. It's like, you know, I can bring up the air, oh, the look at what the libs just did. Or, oh, look at what these evil conservatives just did. Oh, these MAGA Republicans, oh, they're going to come. And it's just like, you do this kind of shit and everyone's just like spun into this like frothing frenzy of negative emotion. And uh, they don't realize that... A lot of it's just the result of greedy people trying to press your buttons. So you keep pl- pressing their buttons, you know, clicking their links, giving them attention, getting money for their advertisers. And that's kind of sh- shit. And it's like we got to become smarter as information consumers to stay away from this kind of stuff.
1: Yep. I, that's excellent. Also, you know, these numbers that he's pulled up, like rent, for example, a lot of people would would say, oh, well. You know it's expensive in my area. Blah 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 blah. And it's like, okay, what eighteen year old young guy, do you know, is living in a house by himself? Yeah, it's just Uh, like like, my goodness. I'm not like it's ridiculous.
0: If you're trying to do twenty five an hour and you're trying to be the sole provider for a family, you know, a wife and potentially you know a kid or more, yeah, that's gonna be tough, guaranteed. But like, you know, if you're just a single person. That doesn't need to be game over for you. You know, it's just (laughs) this stuff is uh, I don't know. I'm not saying things aren't hard and I'm not saying that uh, they, you know, there's no reason to try and increase your income. I just have an issue with the way this guy went about it. Yeah. All right. Last but not least. Captain Sinbad
1: on YouTube brought this idea to my attention called The Highlight of the Day, and I thought it was pretty interesting, so I wanted to get your take on it.
4: The Highlight of the Day is a concept from the book Make Time, and it's all about getting one thing done every single day. For me, this has been a game-changing time management principle. Just pick one thing, like one thing that you can do in like a reasonable amount of time. So if you have a really, really big task, break it down so it's a mini task that you can complete in three or four hours, at most. I will say, though, in the 100 days of momentum that I've started and like trying to make 100 days, the 100 best days of my life, I've... I found that as soon as I establish what the highlight of the day is and I start to work towards it, it's almost as if the universe starts putting obstacles in my way to stop me from doing it. Like the universe is like, hey, why do the highlight of the day when you can do this other also useful, like pretty good task. It's like not the most important task, but it's a pretty good one. Why don't you do that one instead? Like invariably, like without a doubt, I get like tens of obstacles. Maybe I made plans to like meet a friend for dinner and I haven't seen this friend in like three months, right? (laughs) The thing didn't get done. Honestly, what I've come to realize is that I should cancel those plans to get the highlight of the day done. Well, sometimes here's what happens. It's an Indian holiday. Every 14 days, there's a new Indian holiday. If you're religious enough, there's a new Indian holiday every week. And my mom sometimes needs me to come over to break a coconut or something. To be fair, I do my best to keep my commitments to my friends and to clients and to my mom and her breaking of coconuts. I do my absolute best for that. But what I've come to realize is that it cannot come at the expense of my purpose.
0: Yeah, that's that's interesting. I mean, like, I like that idea. It's it's similar to the um, the one thing idea, which is a book about that. It's like, what's your one thing? You know, your one thing that you're working on, your one thing that you're doing today, like that kind of stuff. Um, and I like it. Like, yeah, you should absolutely have a top priority for your day, and you should prioritize that thing, right? Like, I, I find it easier to even just break up your week like that. Be like, what are what's what's this day for? You know, if it's for nothing else, what is it for? Um, you know, maybe it's for clearing certain emails or maybe it's for, uh, creating a piece of content. I'm speaking obviously from my, like the stuff that I do. Um, and that's really powerful because it gives you focus. It lets you very easily prioritize and our brain really sucks at context switching. Saw so, like, uh, Elon Musk, like, post a meme the other day about, uh, like, fear not being the mind killer. Like, that line from Dune, it's actually context switching is the mind killer. Um, you know, the more things that you switch between, the less psychological momentum you build. And so, yeah, having, like, one big thing that you're you're focused on is super, super useful. Um, but it's, uh, I, I've been playing around with an idea to kind of go with that where it's like, And it kind of ties back into what we were talking about earlier in the call where it's like when I plan my days, I don't want to just be focusing on what I want to do. There also has to be some acknowledgement of like what is the enemy of the day. It's like, all right, we got a goal, but are we really articulating Mm -hmm. what the enemy is? You know, maybe the enemy is procrastination. Maybe it's apathy. Maybe it's like, you know, uh, fear of negative feedback. All right. Maybe it's uh, falling into um, negativity because of you're you're fighting with a spouse or, you know, feeling like you you're not getting enough attention from women or whatever it is. And if you can identify and name, all right, here's my big thing I want to get done. And here's the big enemy that's going to try and get in the way. And if you just spend a few minutes like labeling that and trying to come up with a strategy, of, all right, here's my main mindset strategy for overcoming overcoming this biggest obstacle um, or my practical strategy for it. I think something like that kind of takes the the to-do list and planning and stuff like that to the next level because it gives you a more holistic sort of adventure. It lets you it gives it presses the story buttons in your brain. Because in order to have a, a story, you need to have, you know, a goal. There needs to be, you know, something that they're progressing towards, something that, you know, the you and the characters in the story want, right? But then there's also always gotta be some conflict. There's got to be something that's blocking them. And I think so often, like when we sit down and we create like to-do lists and shit like that, we don't really think about the conflict part. And it sounds like this is what he's literally run into is that like conflict will become anything. And he's able to kind of maybe nail it down to a few things. And I would say like Take that into consideration at the beginning of the day. Know that that's coming. Plan for it. You know, plan your internal and external battle strategy to overcome that thing that wants to come along and, and stop your ability to to realize your your main objective. So that's something I've been playing around with, and I, I think it's really, really powerful. I would love you guys to check that out as well. So give it a shot. You know, when you're planning your day, don't just label your, your top, you know, priority, your frog to swallow or whatever, you know productivity methodology you like to use. Yes, point it out, but then point out what's the the big enemy, right? What's the spiritual battle today? What's the the mindset or the emotion or the distraction or the whatever it is that's going to keep you from realizing it and come up with a plan to counter it. And just a few minutes a day thinking like this, I think will truly supercharge the technique that uh, uh, Captain Sinbad here is uh, talking about.
1: I really like that, yeah. I, I want to try that too. I know focus is a big one probably for a lot of people, but for me, especially, you know, it's like there's, there's that one thing, but, and he's running into this. Oh, there's so many other things. Let me ask you this before we, um before we wrap up here, how do you combat the temptation to say, yeah, the emails, I need to get the emails done, but man, I could do so much more than that. The emails is so easy. Like that takes <laughs> a
0: few minutes, right? you know, Let's have 10 top priorities instead. Right. Well, that's where I think like batching and stuff is really useful because it's like, let's say it's not just a couple of emails. Let's say, you know, you you save up and it's like 10 or 15. Uh, and maybe you have like what I do is I, I save up like for admin days um, mm-hmm. where I'll just do a whole bunch of administrative shit that is boring that I don't like. But when I and, and just like broken individually into pieces, it doesn't seem like a formidable use of my time but when i bundle it all up into some like big admin day then it's like oh okay this is this is actually something good and useful this is something that like after i do it i'm gonna feel a big weight off my shoulders because this the kind of stuff that sort of accumulates and nags and that sort of thing so i think that really devoting your days to like different kinds of themes is very powerful so that that's the way i would approach it nice yeah i love it all right,
1: you guys. That's all we got for you on this episode of Man vs. World. Mark, is there anything you? Uh, is,
0: what should what should the audience do next? Do we still have the same training up? Yeah, I think we still have the same training up. We'll be we'll be continuing to update all of our offerings in 2023. Um, if you guys got anything that you would like to see in particular from us, we'd love to get feedback from you. We're going to be continuing with. Um, you know, further refining our offerings for helping guys quit porn. Um, we're going to be, uh, also hopefully offering some other stuff too, around productivity, around mindset, all that kind of stuff. But you know, we're, we're trying to do it right. Trying to scale it properly, grow it in a way in which is really sustainable. We're trying to build something here that will last and, uh, allow guys to really grow with us. The self mastery club is, is growing. Um, we've got an iOS app now, which is awesome. We just improved our site performance by a ton. Um, I'm going to be getting the Android app rolling here soon. I actually just connected with our developers trying to get that rolling too. Um, so a lot of cool stuff on the horizon. But, you know, if you want to get in on it now, you want to start mastering some of the techniques that I've, I've developed for helping guys quit porn, become productive, get control of your mindset, all that sort of thing, then you want to check out the, the training and the link below. Check out the Manhood Mastery training. And, uh, yeah, we'll hopefully see you in the Self Mastery Club. But that's pretty much what we got for you guys today. So, yap see you all on the next one.